Color Commentary Blunt Talk, Episode 4, special guest today. We're joined today by my brother, Brandon Estrick, Big Blue View, Elite Sports New York. How you doing today, bro? Doing good, man. Good to see you, sir. Nice to be here with you. Good to be here. Good to be here. Uh, last time we were on the show, going through the trade deadline, the, the boogie trade happened. That was probably the big push. Everyone's talking about that. That overshadowed a bit of the All-Star game, which is a bit lackluster. Set the tone for what we thought were going to be some big trades. What do you think of how the way the whole trade deadline played out? It fizzled. I mean, there was, wasn't much that played out after Boogie. You know, the Boogie trade was so big and it happened so early in the deadline that it kind of took away the luster from everything else. I mean, is there anything else off the top of your head without looking at a computer that sticks out in your mind? You know, besides the little trade of Taj Gibson going to Oklahoma City, I mean, what else was there? Nerlens Noel to the Mavs is not really noteworthy. I'm surprised they moved Nerlens though and kept Jaleel Okafor. I don't, I'm not sure what's going on in Philly. And then we just find out now that uh, Ben Simmons is out for the rest of the year. Well, no one's ever sure what's going on in Philly. That's what Philly's MO's been for about a decade now. Trust the process. Yeah, all right. <laughs> the Celtics had all the chips on the table. They could have made a move for either Paul George or Jimmy Butler. Magic Johnson now, in that time span, takes over with the Lakers. Paul George, I think in the next year, year and a half, he could be in purple and gold. It'd be nice. I know he wants to get out of Indiana pretty badly, and I don't really know what's happening. They, the guys were competitive for a long time. They had a nice, solid team. They competed with Miami when LeBron was there. And for whatever the reason, you know, obviously I don't watch every Indiana Pacers basketball game. Whatever the reason, man, it's just not working over there anymore. This season, last season, they've been progressively getting worse. I'm hearing grumblings now that Paul George wants to get out of there. So, you know, Magic Johnson wants to come on and make a big splash right out of the gate. That'd be a great move for uh, L.A. Let's, let's, let's go back to the East. We're talking about how the Pacers are falling back to the pack. The Wizards are kind of picking up the slack from where the Pacers were in that middling team going for it. They didn't make any crazy moves at the deadline, although they did deal and get uh, Boyan Bogdanovich back from the Nets. He's a shooter. He can stretch the floor. The Raptors, who are fighting with the Cavs, they added P.J. Tucker and Serge Ibaka. That's going to make them That's tough. Important. That's going to make them tough. Serge Ibaka over there on that front line next to Viva Valentunas, whatever you say his name. How do you say his name? <laughs> Jonas Valentunas. Jonas Valentunas. Okay, him, him next to Serge Ibaka, and never mind the length that's on the front line now. Serge Ibaka can also spread the floor from the center position or the power forward position. That's going to be a big move. I still don't see them getting past Cleveland necessarily, but... They can put some pressure on him. That P.J. Tucker's a great defender, too. I don't know how much he's really going to give him on the offense. And the news just came down today. Kyle Lowry's going to be out possibly till the start of the playoffs. Yeah, they're saying five weeks he has some loose bodies cleaned out of his wrist, uh, arthroscopic surgery on the wrist. And they're saying five weeks. He's saying playoffs, which breaks down to about the same thing. We're starting March on Wednesday, so we figure five weeks is, what, beginning to middle of April? Right, right, right around the end of the season. I believe the end of the season, second week, of, right, second and a half week of April. All right, so uh, second, second week of April is usually when the playoffs start. No, so yeah, he'll, he'll probably be back on track. It's no biggie. Otherwise, I'm sure if they thought it was a problem, they probably would have delayed that surgery because I'm sure it's something he's been playing with for a while now. Playing at an All Star level too. The Raptors, it's just surprising that they make that move, add those guys. Well, actually, you know, thinking about it. Maybe they do. They were going to shut him down. They wanted to add some reinforcements for DeMar DeRozan, which in that, if that's the case, good job, hold that playoff seed in. DeMar DeRozan's balling this year, too, might I add. And let me go back, man. We covered this already. Washington, uh, the Wizards. I almost called them the Bullets. Pardon me. I'm getting old. Washington Wizards, man. Didn't I call this 
Tell them I called this beginning of the year that the Washington Wizards were going to be nice this year. They're going to take a step. Now, one thing I was wrong about, I thought that Bradley Bill was going to be, you know, a, a little better than he has been. He's, he's got three 40-point games this year. No, he's balling. I just I saw him being a little more consistent, taking that next step. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying he's, he's not playing well, but I think more credit than – Otto Porter has stepped up huge. John Wall. John yeah. Wall has been unbelievable this year. He's made it a conversation now again for the best point guard. I'm hearing people call him the best point guard over uh, Kyrie Irving. I disagree with it, but the fact that he's taking that jump, to he, make it he a moves the ball better than Kyrie. I can see he put himself in the position there. He's playing that good. I'm, the the big thing with them though, it's not so Bradley Beal didn't take that next step as much, but Otto Porter, who has kind of been a, the third overall pick, I believe, in the draft, bit of a disappointment the past couple years. As far as his development, Kelly Oubre looked like he maybe would take some minutes. Now they're playing alongside each other. He's shooting a great percentage from three. You know, they're making a move, but it's still the Cavs' conference to win. It's, it's a shoe-in that they're going to go to the conference finals for sure. They're going to represent the East in the NBA finals. Well, we knew that to begin with, man. Whatever LeBron James is, that's kind of what you expect to come out of the East, especially now they are about to add or have added, about to or have. Nothing's official yet, Darren but Williams. it's Darren Williams and Andrew, Andrew Bogut off buyouts. Right. So the Cavs didn't even have to make a trade. They weren't left with much to trade. They had Iman Shumper, who I don't know anybody's making a, a big move, dealing a piece that the Cavs think are going to get them over for Shumper. They could have waited maybe for Brandon Jennings in that buyout, but Darren Williams and Andrew Bogut? I mean, that's probably they probably had that sit down though a little while ago, man. You know there's collusion going on on both sides of the coin in all these professional sports leagues, between the players, between the owners. That conversation probably was had a month ago. I'm all, he, I'm all here for it. I'm all here for yeah. it. We got a trilogy of uh, Warriors-Cavs. The Warriors win 73 games last year, lose, but then add Kevin Durant. And you right. think, how do the Cavs get better? I mean, they lost a couple guys in free agency, but I feel like LeBron is still getting better. If you look at his numbers now, the assists are way up. LeBron James is really playing their point guard right now, and he's, a, he's such an efficient player and still so good defensively. That all you have to do is add some shooters around him. He's always got a chance. Kyle Korver's a shooter. I ain't going to say he's getting better. LeBron's about 32 years old now, 14 years in the league. I get where you're going. Yeah, his game just kind of evolves. It might not necessarily mean his his, his peak on a, performance, on but his cast, play. On the supporting cast around him. Like yeah, he, he dictates his play. to how, right. And that's the exactly. ultimate team player. Because he LeBron, dictates his play to who he's playing with. LeBron is the ultimate basketball IQ guy. Like you've heard even Dwayne Wade is another great player he played with. He said his basketball IQ was off the charts to the, to the point where in the huddle sometimes the head coach would have to see to LeBron, which makes sense. And now you understand sort of why he's in the position that he's in, even over there in uh, Cleveland. He's the de facto GM in addition to being a player. Like, these things are unheard of. Only LeBron James. He talks the talk. He walks the walk. When it goes down, oh, that's my this, guy, this dude's like about LeBron. to be in his, what, this, this will be his eighth consecutive NBA Finals? Seventh or eighth. Seventh or eighth. Yeah, we're in 2017. So you know what? It's seven. It's, it, would it would be seven, seven consecutive. That It was 2010. They went to that first final where it was uh, Miami and Dallas. Joe, I don't want to stay on this too long, but one thing, man, I, I get so tired of hearing. He can't be Michael Jordan because he didn't win every finals. Now, it's true. Michael, what Michael Jordan did was impressive, of course. Michael Jordan is the greatest of all time, universally recognized as such. But Michael Jordan never was even pushed to a game seven. Like, okay, that's Mike. But LeBron James has been in six straight finals, and he's like a plug-and-play. You can put him on the Miami Heat, put him on the Cavs with no one, put him back on the Cavs with no one. They're all going to the his finals first, his first, Yeah, his first year with the Heat, he goes to the finals. His first year back with the Cavs, he's been in the finals. From the first year with the Heat 
to now. He's been in the finals every year. Every year. Like, that's ridiculous, Every man. Year. He's going to get a lot more love. LeBron James is the Floyd Mayweather of basketball in a lot of ways, man. He's going to get a lot more love as time goes on. Like, people don't want to see it yet because they don't necessarily – like, these two guys, they're victims of this. This is the social media agent ever, right? So everything that you do, all your, your public perception, your image, everything is front and center for everybody to see, right? So these guys now, they have these vocal critics and these people who are watching everything they do where Michael Jordan didn't have that. And if Michael Jordan had Twitter, they'd hate Michael Jordan. They would. That, that's, we live in a more, I, I'd say, spiteful culture where it's like it's not even necessarily profiles but hit pieces. I blame myself. I got to blame myself, man. You know what? I used, to, I used to like to go left. You know, that popular, contra I call it popular because it's popular now, but being a contrarian, right? Back in the day, I, I was contrarian. I like to be on the, the other side of an argument and tr try to kind of play devil's advocate. You know better than anyone, I like to do that to annoy people sometimes, but maybe, you know, press on some nerves. But what's happened with Twitter and what's happened with Facebook and what's happened with Instagram is now everyone's on there. You can get everyone's side, everyone's take, everyone has a voice, everyone has a platform, everyone's a rapper. Everyone's promoting themselves, right? Everyone's got everyone's got their book and info in their bio. That's it. And you know what's up? Now, because of that, it used to be cool to go left and be contrarian. Like organically, now people force themselves to go left and be contrarian. You understand what I'm trying to say? You, you're trying purposely to stand out, and it's it's obvious. So it's a little different than it used to be. You know, everyone just likes to be right. Everyone, Skip Bayless, for instance, likes to say the most ridiculous things, right? And maybe one of those things, he tweets 10 crazy things, and one of them is right, then he'll take the love and the attention he gets from that over the nine things he was totally wrong on. That's, that's just how it was. Skip's always been LeBron hater, especially, too. But the Knicks are back in action tonight. Uh, Carmelo Carmelo with the game winner on, on Saturday. Everything was all good just a week ago. When they lost to the Sixers the same exact way. Now Carmelo gets his revenge. They asked him after. Car Carmelo had 17 in the first quarter, I, th I believe, on 7 of 9 shooting. Came out hot. Last time he saw Philly, it was TJ McConnell. Game winner in the garden. You can't let that happen. I don't even know what that is, honestly. And I watch plenty of basketball for T.J. McConnell. That's that's the Sixers point guard who hit the game winner over Melo last time they played. Well, God bless. Oh, Melo got his revenge, man. This guy was out on a mission. Knicks win the game. You're looking at the playoffs, saying things like, okay, they're three and a half out. They're also like two and a half out of second to last place. You have 37, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, Melo was balling, man. But you know what's you know what's really sucks about the Knicks, man, or being a Knicks fan right now. That was cool for that night, right? Like you pumped up. Knicks had a great win. Carmelo played played awesome, right? Next day it goes back to what it's been though. You go on Twitter, like oh the Knicks, oh Phil, all oh. you know, like there's no escaping that, man. It's like the most that, that's, that's, season ever. That's why that that game winner. Uh, every time Melo has a big game, especially at home, to watch the way. Our star player has been treated not just like New York media can be tough. The media is actually on his side by the by the president of basketball operations. <laughs> this is in-house. This dude couldn't get a meeting with Phil until he mentioned it in a conference. Like, that's what it takes. Zen matched away. Joe Kim Noah. <laughs> Who? <sighs> Man, let me stop. No disrespect. I know. I Joe Kim, when we first signed him, even though I, I never liked the money or the length of the deal. Uh-huh. I understood the sentiment because he, he's a good defensive player and he's vocal. 
He's a good clubhouse guy. He's a good presence. locker room guy. Yeah, he's a presence. Right. I thought that would have helped, but he can't help you if he's not on the floor. Right. He's already missed two-thirds of the season, and then officially today they announced that Joe Kim Noah is going to be out for the rest of the season. Well, see, I Arthroscopic think, knee surgery. I think that he can help even when he's not on the floor as far as being a locker room presence. I think the problem with uh, the New York Knicks right now is the culture. It's toxic. It's a toxic. I got a culture. lot of experience with this. Once again, man, if you are just tuning in and picking up from this part, I'm Brandon Estrick. The host of this show is my brother, so he knows better than anyone. I've had a million of these jobs where things go left. Like, I, I've got a lot of experience in the work field, right? This is something you won't understand until you're actually in it or you're going through it presently. And even when you go through it presently, you don't get it until you're out of it. How toxic it can be for you, you know, mentally physically, spiritually, when you're in a bad situation at work, at any job. And so when you throw Joaquin Noah into the Knicks locker room, you know, for all, all the respect that he garners around the league and his presence and his leadership, if it's already a toxic situation, a bad situation there, there's not much that that guy's going to be able to come in and do by himself to turn that around. And you're finding that out now. Even, even Brandon Jennings. Brandon Jennings is a guy who's clamored to play for the Knicks. He oh, always man. loved playing against the Knicks. He wanted to be in New York. He came here even before they had a like an official team practice. This guy was all about the city. He's making all these events. He's, he's showing up at random uh, basketball courts around the city and just getting in games. He loves basketball. He loves the history of the Knicks. Today, we granted him his release. He wanted to go play for a contender. And you can't even blame him. Right. You can't blame him. He's going to help somebody. I mean, he's, he's not done. He's not what he once was. You could tell the injury kind of took a lot off of him. But his passion for the game still there. He still plays defense, and he could still sling it. Okay, and you, hardcore Knicks fan that you are, how do you feel about the move? It makes sense. It makes sense for the Knicks because he wasn't going to be a part of the plan next year. And they did actually they, – they righted a wrong they made earlier when they let Chason Randall walk. He's a young point guard. You got a good look at him in summer league and preseason and in practices. He was actually running really good with that first unit when he was getting those minutes. When Derrick Rose, the whole trial thing, started the year, Chason Randall looked really good playing with those guys. You let him go to the D-League. You don't retain his rights. He plays for the Sixers. They have to cut him because it's one of the trades they just make. Knicks add him back. He's going to take Brandon uh, Jennings' roster spot. That opens up minutes for him and Ron Baker. You got two young point guards. You're not making the playoffs. Derrick Rose is probably not back next year either. Let these young guards play. See, see what they can give you. Sensible. Now, they, from what I understand, are still reiterating. I just heard uh, on the way in here, I heard uh, Jeff Hornacek talking to the press before tonight's game saying that this is no indication of them not playing to win anymore, that this was a basketball move they're still playing in order to win games. However true that is, you know, he has to say that. However true that is, we don't know. But I'll say this, as far as Brandon Jennings, I think the Knicks really, really, really screwed that one up. And it's hard to really, really screw something up when you're the Knicks because they really screw up everything. But they really, really screwed up Brandon Jennings. Like you said, man, he had a different energy about him when he came into New York City. Like, Fan favorite right away. He, and he wanted to be here. He was having fun playing basketball. You could tell. He was a little playground. Sometimes he got a little bit wild, but that's why he was a fan favorite. But another thing that he did, man, is he bothered that ball, man. Like, the way that he defended up the court, he was super passionate about being here. And he started out great. And it looked like, you know, in the early part of the season, you know. He you probably should have been the starter in the beginning of the year. If you can remember this, I know many people might not be able to, man, but the Knicks, I think around Christmas time, were playing for 
14 and 10. We are third First place. First place, third place with the Boston we, Celtics. We are playing for second with uh -huh. the Celtics. Okay, so yeah, the Knicks were up there, and Brandon Jennings, like, it looked like you had the squad. Derrick Rose is going to come in and be not MVP Derrick Rose, but he's going to be Derrick Rose. He's still going to give you something. Melo is going to be Melo, not, you know, in his prime Melo, but he's still one of the best scorers out there and one of the best scorers that's ever played basketball. Let's be clear on that. Brandon Jennings was kind of like that hustle, scrappy guy that every playoff team needed, and it seemed like it, it just it worked, right? Perfect six, man. Yeah, and once again, this culture was just so toxic and so bad here that they ended up chasing him out of here. Now, I don't know anything with any certainty. I haven't talked to anybody with uh, the Knicks organization. I don't cover the Knicks. But just uh, from some people that I follow or people that were colleagues of mine that cover the Knicks and just from putting certain things together, Brandon Jennings, man, he wanted to be here. The, 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 what was going on around the team was kind of draining, and he wanted to get out of here in a matter of what? Talking five, six months. And to chase a guy like that out of New York, like that just shows you what kind of shape the locker room, what kind of shape the organization is in because he wanted to be here like he had a zest for New York City. Like he put it down. So that it, it was tough to see from that standpoint. I mean, he 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 definitely served well in an audition to not just this year. Obviously, he's going to get picked up by somebody. They're saying the Hornets are most likely his destination. But he's going to get signed next year. He's coming off a ruptured Achilles. He was a starter all up until that first injury. Came back the second half of last year with the Magic. He didn't get much run. This Knicks team, the first half of the year, he looked really good. He shows he's still capable of running an offense. His shooting has come down. He's never been a great shooter. But the defense is there, so you can kind of live with that. I think he set himself up in that short stint he had getting extended minutes with the Knicks to get paid next summer. And, you know, that's the, only, that's the way I'm looking at it when, when players leave the Knicks now. Like, I hope, I hope you, like Tim Hardaway Jr. in Atlanta, he had that game on TNT against the Rockets. I think he had 20 points in the fourth quarter, just went off. And I'm like, good for him. Good <laughs> good for you. I, we, we traded uh, J.R. Smith and Iman Shumper. They go to the finals the first year. They're playing against David Lee. Like, every time somebody leaves the Knicks, it's, it, you just you feel, the, feel the weight come off of them. That's something you guys got to get cleaned up, man. You have any confidence that actually happens? Not, not with Phil Jackson. What Jackson or Dolan? You know, it's the craziest thing to me when Dolan was on the on the Michael K show uh, a few weeks ago, and they asked him about Phil Jackson. He said something along the lines of, "We made a commitment, and I plan to honor that commitment until the very end." Now he said this in response to them tell you know there was news reported obviously that Phil has the opt out after this the year, opt -out and the Knicks have an opt out yes. after the third year. Then either side could could elect to opt out of the deal. So James Dolan, seeing the situation for what it is, for him to still say to the public that he plans to honor that commitment all the way through, like, how do you feel about that as a Knicks fan? It's tough, but we've seen him try to get multiple uh, chances to Isaiah. We've seen Herb Williams stick around under, like, seven different head coaches. He kind of finds guys that and he latches on to. But never mind that. How do you feel about, like, not even taking any of that stuff into account? Like, how does it feel to, ha to be – what's the Knicks record right now? I know it's worse than last year at this point. We're, we're, we're about a game behind last year's pace. Okay. But this is at the point last year where Derek, uh, Derek Fisher lost 12 in a row. Yeah. So they could Kinda bounce – yeah, because they just bounces, won. Right. 
So to be going through that now, and this is like the third straight year, what they go that first year, 17 and 65? Mm-hmm. Worst record in franchise history, yes? Yes, worst So seven. to hear your owner come out and say, well, we're going to honor that we're gonna, to Yeah, the we're going to stick like, with it. What the hell is he talking about? Everyone keeps talking about Melo's Nick career and how it's been a failure. It hasn't. Now, they went to the playoffs the first three years he was there. Since Phil came, since Phil, Phil Jackson's been here, there's 75 games under 500 with zero playoff appearances. That's not like a coincidence. This guy, everyone keeps talking about the defense. The defense is the big issue with the Knicks. Phil Jackson's first trade, he sends out Tyson Chandler. The next year, how's he follow it up? The team's got two decent defenders in J.R. Smith and Iman Shumpert. They got to go. I heard this a, a year or two ago. And pardon me, man, if you said this, I'm not giving you the proper credit. I don't remember who said it. I am at Brandon underscore Estrick, E-S-T-R-I-C-T on Twitter. Let me know, man. I, I'll give you the credit. But... The Knicks' problem, and this is when, when Derek Fisher was still there, they said the Knicks' problem was their best point guard is their coach, <laughs> and their best coach is their president. Yep. Yeah, I that's, think he's exactly right. That, that's that's tough. Even, I can't say now, but damn it, it, it still goes away for the coach. Phil, Phil has, as an executive, hasn't shown much. He got all these shadow philosophies on how the triangle should be implemented. Do it yourself, man. If you're too old to do it yourself, and just just go back to L.A. A real winner, man. Or Montana. A real winner, man. A real winner is going to build around the team that he has, not try and put square pegs in round holes. So I think he's failed there. Phil Jackson, the coach, you know, it speaks for itself. Legendary coach, 11 rings. You can start to make the argument, well, he had Michael and Scotty, and then he had Kobe and Shaq. Yeah, that, that doesn't hurt. And I, I get it, but as a president, it's just and, and maybe they were right. Remember the the Lakers let him go. Well, didn't let him go. They were in talks with him to return right before D'Antoni came on when they fired Mike Brown a few years ago. Yeah, that was under Steve Nash, Dwight Howard era of uh, Lakers greatness. And they played. Oh wow, you call it the greatness. <laughs> and they they played Phil like they cut the they cut the carpet out from under him on that one. I remember, and he was pretty upset about it, but. You know, maybe that dude was right. Like, we don't need Phil Jackson anywhere near the front office. Just coach the team, man. You, you know Zen. You read very well. You're smart. You're one of those educated hippie dudes who likes to smoke a lot of weed and have deep conversations. That's cool. We'll get that stuff out of the front office, man. It's not going to work. Even even if you're looking at the Lakers, you could say, well, they've been their franchise worst three years in that same span. While that may be true, they're in a much better position than the Knicks. I say so. Talent. Yeah. The Knicks have a one Christoph Porzingis and a Hernan Gomez who's a second round pick. And I like Hernan Gomez. They have D'Angelo Russell, Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, Brandon Ingram. And Larry Nance Jr. and, and Zubots, the, the kid they drafted from Croatia this year. They're not bad either. They got a lot of young talent. The good thing about young talent is even if they don't pan out or your team doesn't win the way you're supposed to or the way you want to at the Knicks, they don't cost you anything. Yep. They don't cost you anything. Yep, and now you got Magic in charge now. Let's see how that goes. I've, I've seen him say some crazy things on Twitter, man. I hope oh, he, I hope he's God, better. I, bring that up. I hope he's better at running the team. That killed me, man. I wanted to get to that story. I think Bleacher Report got it before me. Uh, he, where, when Rondo where, went to the Mavericks, and he was like, oh, they look like a championship it. contender now. Uh, he said, <laughs> uh, said, you should pull it up right now. But what's oh, about, man. There was a uh, – you know where I saw it, man, if anybody – Check out Boxton. I was on Boxton. I saw the thread about old Magic Johnson tweets. The title was, Magic will be gone within two years. And then I read these old tweets, man. He is saying the craziest stuff, man. 
Yeah, Magic. I, Magic I think I think he, love Magic. He's the affable. The, uh, the star Magic power Magic. is gonna be good though. The yeah, star definitely. power. Definitely. He he tried to make that Paul George trade happen. It's Magic Johnson calling up Larry Bird on the phone. You know how cool of a conversation that must be. Oh, uh, that's dope. I, I love it, but I can't give him the benefit of the doubt just because of how bad how bad you've seen a guy like Phil Jackson come in and mess up, and you thought he was Teflon. Uh, all right. Here's a, here's a Magic Johnson gem. The Bucks just acquired the next Jason Kidd and Michael Carter Williams. <laughs> God bless Magic. I mean, look, let me be clear, too. He still knows way more basketball than I do. I'm sure you could dig through my stuff with, um, and find something crazy. But it's still funny. We can laugh at Magic Johnson, man. He's rich. You know what? Let's, let's leave Magic Johnson alone. We talked a lot of NBA. Let's get back to, uh, to the NFL. This is your area of expertise. A little bit. I say so. Jason Pierre-Paul got that franchise tag today. Giants fan, how do you feel? I'm happy to see JPP back. He definitely earned it. What? I would have rather just spent the money on Jonathan Hankins uh-huh. because he's younger. Okay, you're with me then because I've, I've been having this conversation now running for about two, three weeks, maybe even longer than that, that pass rushers are invaluable in the NFL, of course, because this is a pass-happy league. So you might prioritize your pass rushers over your interior linemen who are going to stuff the run these days. Unless you're the Giants. See, I've, I've watched every second of Giants football for a lot of years, right? When the Giants aren't solid in the middle, the entire defense is bad. Always. You know, and, and, and they have a history of letting these defensive tackles get away. You don't have to look back far. Linval Joseph for two years, be- two years before that, Barry Cofield. There you go. And what happens is they, they, they find one, they, they replace him with a younger guy who costs a little less. Then they let that guy go. Like you say, Linval Joseph a couple years ago, Barry Cofield before that, right? And what happens is you have one strong defensive tackle in the middle. You've got another guy that's kind of a package guy or, or, or a guy that alternates. And or, or Nikita work. Whitlock. Put it like this. Last season, I know this off top because I just covered something about this. Last season, the Giants were third in the NFL to run defense. I think they gave up 88.6 yards per game. Could be 88.3. It's all off the top. Year before that, they were 24th in the league gave up 121.4 yards per game. That's a difference of putting another good tackle next to Jonathan Hankins. And, of course, I'm talking about Damon Snacks Harrison. Best run stopper in all the league. Why mess with that? I'm with you. I'd rather, if I had to choose, I don't want to choose, mind you. I, I love JPP. I love Hankins, too. That, that's why it's so tough to say, after, after the way he bounced back, to say, you know, we got to let you go. But I feel like, hey, for the sake of the Giants, it made more sense to draft maybe a pass rusher or working some of the other guys we have there, prioritize keeping the middle middle of that defensive line together. I think I think uh, JPP was gonna get that money anywhere else. Odigi Zua. Odigi Zua. I don't. I I think Okwara is ready to step in, like for a full. Give him a run. Give him a full run. Put it this way: when JPP went down, man, the Giants played three or four more games after that. Okwara was great. He was great. Ca- Carry went. Ca- he, he was great in one game. I'm not gonna say like he wasn't JPP except for that one game necessarily. But but he for, but, for him to stand out on tape, that's right? that's a tough job with the rest of those defensive linemen out there, and what he was I'm, making plays. What I'm trying to get at though is they didn't really miss a beat. The defense was still the defense. You know what I mean? The defense still you know held these teams. I think they held the Redskins. What was it? Seven. Yeah, that last game of that very last game, the Redskins couldn't do anything. And the Redskins needed that game. The Giants didn't need that game. You'll miss Jason Pierre-Paul. Sure, he's a great player. But when they lost him for those final few games of the season, it didn't really rear its head. I mean, you might argue it started to in the playoffs. 
you know, people people who don't watch as much, this is what always happens. People who look at box scores and don't really watch as much and look at highlights, they'll jump right back to you and throw if, you a bunch a star, of numbers. If a star player is off, off the field and yeah, so game I, goes a certain way, they're going to point to that right away. And it makes sense. Yeah. It does. I just feel I, 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 you're apparently thinking it the same way I am. It's more imperative for the way their defense operates to keep the middle as stingy as possible. Exactly, man. Because JPP, you know, Aaron Rodgers had that big game. What people won't remember who aren't paying to Giants fans is that that was a razor-close game for two and a half quarters. The, the Hail Mary changed was everything, horrible man. horrible offense and that damn Hail Mary at the end of the first half. That changed the game. That but was the offense was that was so the NFC Championship bad. from a few years ago. How changed bad the game. Was the offense, man? The offense Street is pretty dumb. bad all year. So dumb, spe- speaking of, speaking of the offense, it's free agency. Uh, you know, guys are coming and going. Guys are getting franchised now. Who's someone out there you think the Giants should bring in? Not could because we know they're not usually so extravagant on the offensive side for the spending. But who do you think they should bring in? Alshon Jeffrey. I like Alshon Jeffrey, man. Now, he wouldn't be your number one. That's what El Beckham, that, No, that's a nice number two option next to number 13. But put Sterling Shepard in the slot and give Eli Manning another really big receiver. He's always been comfortable with those guys, man. Back to Jeremy Shockey, to Kevin Bars, to Plexico Burris. Amani Tuma was 6'2", 6'3". Eli's always been really good with his big targets. Dominic right now, Hickson. The Giants have a, well, last year they had a trio of receivers who were under six feet tall. It's tough when all your guys are smaller receivers and they can't just beat you in a straight line. It's real. It's it's, it's so hard to get Odell open in the can. NFL. Yeah, Odell can. Odell can. But even when they have safety help over the top, it's so almost – you have to be perfect to get the ball down the sideline between where the safety's coming and where he's running straight. That's why they run a lot of underneath routes. They run, run a lot of pick-type stuff, and guys are like, well, why do they run these routes? They have smaller receivers. Eli Eli likes lofting it up to a big guy. And I think Alshon Jeffrey there, that could be a dangerous combo. I don't know if the Giants would be willing to spend that, but I'd be much more comfortable spending the money at the receiver position than the running back. There's another high-profile running back the Giants are uh, linked to. Oh, I know all about it, man. I think his name is uh, Adrian Adrian, uh, Peterson, 28. Purple Purple Jesus. That guy, yeah. Look, he's – I don't know, man. How do you feel about him? I'm I'm not going to go first. Go ahead, man. Adrian Peterson is is damn near like a mythical athlete. This is the kind of guy that coming off a torn ACL, my first thought is, how is he going to outdo himself? There's there's a bar you set for someone coming back off an injury. Last time Adrian Peterson came, came off a torn ACL and LCL, he came nine yards short of the single-season rushing record. My issue with Adrian Peterson coming to the New York is that the Giants need help on the offensive line. Adrian Peterson's 31, 30, about to be 32 years old, I believe. Yes. You can't pay him what he's going to want to be there. It depends on what he wants because if you, if you, you know, checking the tea leaves, Adrian Peterson's been making gestures toward the Giants. It hadn't been something that the Giants Yeah, the, the Giants about. aren't, aren't and, and if anything, that's bringing his asking price down. Exactly. Because he wants to go there. So is, does that mean, could that mean that he'd settle for less to be a Giant? Now, that could also be him trying to leverage other teams to overpay because they see he's interested in going there, say a division rival. Um, yeah, it could be. It kind of makes sense, but I think that's a little too much, though, man. I don't think he's operating with that much trickery. I think he really does just want to play for the Giants. You know, the Giants got a pretty solid reputation around the NFL, always have. It was a first-class organization. 
A lot of guys want to come there. A lot of guys come there and call the Giants organization home, no matter where they've been before. But Adrian Peterson... I'm talking to you, Brandon Jacobs. <laughs> my guy, Brandon Jacobs. I met him a few years back, man. Fight card in North Bergen. He's a cool guy. But um, Adrian Peterson is good for, even with that bad offensive line, he's good for a few yards, extra yards on his own. Every drive, at least. You know what I mean? Like, Rashad Jennings is a one-cut guy who's going to get up the middle and get what's there. He's a professional running back who I thought didn't get a, got a little too much of a blame last year that the running game was so bad. He's not part of the Giants' future in the backfield anymore. Adrian Peterson, I don't know if I want him to be the guy. You think Paul Perkins could hold that job alone? Well, let me close it here on Peterson. I think, I think Perkins can, but, you know, he, he's got to do it still. We saw him start to do it last year. We'll see what happens next year. Let me close with this on Adrian Peterson, though. You know, obviously, I, I cover New York Giants for BigBlueView.com of SB Nation, so I've seen a lot of this. Man. I've gotten a lot of different releases, wrote a few stories about this subject, and interact with the fans over there. The overwhelming tone of Giants fans is stay far away from Adrian Peterson. They want no parts of him. From the people that I come into contact with and discuss football with, Giants fans do not want Adrian Peterson anywhere near New York. I understand. I think it's a little harsh. I understand where they're coming from, though. I think that for the right price, I'll try Adrian Peterson out. Why not? I feel like he would help, obviously. That's talent. That's a superstar name. Adrian Peterson is worth the hype. But the Giants need help on their offensive line. Sure. And because so much money is dedicated to Eli Manning right now, that should be your number one priority. Make sure you can keep him upright. you got to maximize what's left of his good years. And let's say it's, they think it's two, three. Let's say they think it's longer. There's a lot of left tackles out there, and there's going to be a lot of money for left tackles. We see the Jets let Ryan Clady go. You got Brandon Albert floating around out there. Mm -hmm. uh, Russell Okung, free agent. There's options. I'll tell you this. The pressure's on. You thought that Jerry Reese had a, a big offseason last year? The pressure's on him even more so this year now because of that. Because he had such a great offseason last year and because – the Giants, you know, the organization and the fans have been so patient with waiting for an offensive line to surround Eli. Like, okay, you took care of the defense. Historic turnaround last season on the defense. You have the weapons on offense. You've got Odell Beckham. You've got Sterling Shepard, another great draft pick. You've got, well, you still don't have a tight end, but you've got Paul Perkins, right? And Eli Manning's Eli Manning. So now the pressure's on more than ever. This has to be the year where they go out and get offensive linemen. Whatever you're doing with Flowers has to happen now. I say move him over to right tackle now. Go get a left tackle because you don't want to just lose him for nothing. Let's try him a right tackle right now. Let's go get a left tackle right now. There's, We're good at there's, guard. Def there's definitely we have to potential. Right guard as well. I'll, I'll, I'll cut it down to three positions for the Giants. The right guard, you have to take a look at. Mm -hmm. Flowers, you think you're moving to the right tackle. Uh, Newhouse, I, I, I think Newhouse is either going to be gone or Depp. Bobby Hart's probably going to take that right guard job. Let's say. They go get a left tackle in free agency. You go get a tight end and a running back. And on paper, this team is now a complete team. How about Latavius Murray? Latavius Murray would be a great grab. I don't know why the Raiders are uh, letting him dangle in free agency. Now, granted, they have a great offensive line, but there's talent there. Maybe they just think because they got so much money tied into the offensive line, let either Jalen Richard or DeAndre Rossington run it. I think I think the Giants. What they should do is, if you're, what they, the reports are now, they're franchise tagging Jason Pierre-Paul. I don't love the defensive tackle prospects that are going to be there in the mid to late first round, 
if a tight end like O.J. Howard is out there, I would definitely make the move. There's going to be a couple of running backs. Dalvin Cook and Leonard Fournette, I think those can be first-round picks. First-round pick worth running backs. Dalvin Cook especially, he's so multifaceted. Leonard Fournette kind of runs like Adrian Peterson. If you add left tackle, tight end, running back, I think those are the three glaring holes. That can make a big difference going forward. I'm with you on Latavius Murray, man. I think that running back is easier to find these days, and I think the way you put it out, why the Oakland Raiders are dangling him out there, like you said, they have a great offensive line. and It's a paid offensive line, too. The they have a couple. Back, the running back position isn't as valuable as it used to be. You know, back early 2000s, late 90s, mid-90s, the league, the successful teams in the league were built on one workhorse type of running back with a strong offensive line that was going to carry the ball 20 times a game. He was going to get up to 330, 40, 350 carries in a season. He was your goal line back. He was your third down back. Now they have all these specialized players. We, we, we've got the, the spread back, the guy who lines up in the shotgun next to the quarterback, Got the guy who comes when it's th- who comes on the field when it's third and one. You got a scat back. All of that, man. So what it is? Th- there's now, no there's no feature backs. It's all by committee now. Yeah, exactly. What it is is you have your by committee backs, man, and you know it's just you're not going to place that much value on a running back anymore when you're building a roster because the NFL has gone to a place where the entire league is now a spread offense. Every quarterback's thrown for four thousand plus yards. So. That's why, you know, Latavius Murray is still out there. Or is going to be out there, I should say, because free agency starts on Wednesday, yes? Yeah, free agency officially opens on Wednesday. The NFL Combine officially opens tomorrow. That's going to go from the 28th to March 6th. Some of the top prospects are going to be out there, including possibly the quarterback of the future for the Giants. Do you think this is the draft they should make the move for it? If a quarterback is in the right position to have, I don't know how much you love the quarterbacks coming out this year. But Eli Manning is 36 years old. You know, it's it, it's getting it's getting close to that time. Oh yeah, I'm with you. If if the quarterback is there, sure, go for it. I mean, don't prioritize it over a, a need now position. Eli Manning, obviously, no matter what happens, you know, barring an injury, is going to be your quarterback. So if you have O.J. Howard out there and somehow Deshaun Watson falls down to the 23rd pick. You know, you're not going to go take Deshaun Watson. You're taking O.J. Howard. You understand what I'm saying? But if the Giants get to a place later in the draft where there's a quarterback available who they like, who, you know, they're big on and they've talked with and worked out, go for it. You know, I say sooner, sooner than later is when they should be thinking quarterback. I wrote a piece on that. It got a lot of criticism. Uh, I won't <laughs> well, say that. I well, say it got a lot of discussion. Started. We're very loyal to uh, number Eli. 10 around here. Absolutely. But you know what's crazy? So am I. I'm an Eli guy. I'm a Giants like him. You know, I've, I've seen Eli's entire career. You, you've seen time before Eli, though, and you realize that some of it, I, the way I'm, I'm 26 years old. There's a lot of people. I'm gonna find out from Their entire now. football life has been Eli Manning. Right. Where'd you start? Who's the quarterback of the Giants when you started? Kerry Collins. That's a, all you know is Kerry Collins and then Kurt Warner and then Eli Manning. Yeah, and you can you really even That's count Kurt Warner? Bad. Yeah. Well, you. you he was good, and, and then they put Eli good. in, but he never got a really fair shake. He he came in at a good time. I'll I tell was you mad I, that season too. I think they were like four and two. They, I think they started off four and zero, or they started off three no, and zero. They were like four. They might have been two and zero. They went up to four and two or four and three that season, and then they put Eli in there, which I thought it was too early, but it worked, it out. worked out. Yeah, it worked in the long out. Term. 
But no, that's pretty good if you started to carry Collins. He had his ups and downs, but the Giants went to a Super Bowl once. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember the Jim Fossil and Jason Seahorn days, but there's a lot of people that only know number 10 right. under center, and it, it's Dude, it's I like was, you got to it, – it's different in baseball, obviously. Right. I'm not comparing Eli Manning to Derek Jeter. That's the name that comes to mind. No but there's the Jeter. one guy that's there for the duration – and Derrick Jeter was just there the whole time. And for the second that he's gone, I'm looking at the rest of the team like, something's wrong here. Something, something's off. Right. You can't even just replace by position. There's a person that's, that was almost larger than the position. They were them. They're on a first-name basis. I feel that way, too. But my thing is this. I feel that way, too, especially having started, man. I started right after Phil Simms. I got uh, uh, Dave Brown, Kent Graham. And Danny Cannell, you know, so I appreciate Eli, definitely. And like you said, man, he's been here forever. You, you don't take him for granted because you know what it was before him. At the same time, yes, 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 I'm absolutely entitled to and going to bring it to the attention of people who may not want to hear it when he's not playing well. Last season, he didn't have a good season by any stretch. You, you can say offensive line. This, that, I counted like a handful of throws that he just flat missed in every game. He, he had, though, and, and it wasn't so much on the receivers like previous years. He had a legitimate crop of receivers. Right. Eli, it just wasn't Eli, and that, that's that's why I feel. And he knows it. That's the yeah. thing about Eli. I know that he knows. Now, obviously, he'll step back because he's built that cachet up and a lot of people will defend him, and he deserves that. But he he's got to know that he didn't have a good. He has to know he didn't have a good season. Look look two years Horrible ago under season. under the his head coach who was offense coordinator who had the best season of his career, his his uh, completion percentage is up. Everything else was just about down from where it has been the past couple of years. That's why I feel they have to really emphasize, go get that left tackle, get him anything else he might need in that offense, and give him a shot. Give him a shot to get. I want to hear them call him three lie. I want him to be three line Manning. I want Peyton to have one less ring again. I need to hear it. You know what else they could do to help Eli Manning out? He had his best offensive statistical season under McAdoo, right? In that first year. In that first year when McAdoo came on to be the offensive coordinator. I think it's time. You saw that uh, when you have a responsibility now and an obligation to run the rest of the football team, that you should start to ease away from the play calling. It's time to let Mike Sullivan take over the play calling. There's a lot of talk about that last year. And, you know, we, we can take it for what it is and just what your eyes showed you. That play calling was pretty, it was pretty vanilla at times. A lot of the things they did didn't make any sense in the situational football department. It just got stale after a while. I think it's time for McAdoo to relinquish those duties. And he can still have input. He can still be in those meetings, obviously, he's the coach. He can still be on a sideline and in tune with what's going on. But I think it, it, it's just something that may, may have been a little bit too much for him to take on while trying to get used to the idea of being the man of running the entire team. Yeah, now, maybe it's, he needs one not, more season at it, it's, too. It's not the same shoes to fill. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I, it, like like you said, maybe it, maybe it is just the season thing. It's his first season being the head guy. Now that he's got that under his belt, some of that pressure might be off. He brought him to the playoffs the first year. He didn't do a bad job, but right. the, the offense is what he came in for. The offense is what he turned around. And you know, 
last year, maybe he was lacking some of his necessary effort, his scheme, his time dedicated to being purely the offensive guy because the offense was anemic. Bad, man. And the offensive line was only but so much of the problem. It got overblown because, once again, Eli was pretty protected out here. Eli's Teflon. He's earned that status. The, the offensive line last year was no worse than the offensive line from the year, year before. before. Exactly. The year before, the offensive line was just as bad. The New York Giants had the eighth-ranked offense in the NFL. And, and the 22nd-ranked offensive line. So right. even if you wanted to go by ranking, that's still not last, last. You're down there, but you don't have, you know, the Cleveland Browns offensive line. Nah, man, it is definitely time to take a hard look at that, man. And, you know, I'm inclined to say this came on at the end of the point I was making. I'm inclined to say let's move on and give it to Mike Sullivan. But once I, I mentioned that and you just reinforced it, Maybe it is a thing where he just needed one season under his belt and he'll make it the adjustments Ben McAdoo I'm talking about going forward as far as being the play caller and running the entire team. Maybe he'll be better at it next season. We'll see. I mean, they definitely got a, a lot of a lot of pressure on Jerry Reese since Tom Coughlin's gone from the last year. They made it back to the playoffs, but I feel like it's kind of now or never with all that money they spent on the defense to put the ideal offense around your franchise quarterback and give him his best shot to win another title in the next few years. The Cowboys are only going to get better. They're young. Yeah. Kirk Cousins, if he stays in Washington, he's pretty good. Their team's coming along. I like what their GM's doing. Carson Wentz was no slouch last year. You're going to have to deal with these guys. you got to make sure you have the best possible team around Eli Manning. We haven't even mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. You already know what he's going to do. Sterling Shepard, I thought, had a very solid rookie year. I expect him to only get better. And everything's going to come easier to this entire offense if you just get the requisite pieces around there. You give Eli Manning another half a second, and he doesn't have to get the ball out that fast. You let routes develop. You get some blocking. You let the run game open things up. They were one-dimensional last year. Exactly right. And a lot of that, a lot of that, those also Eli being confident enough in the pocket to stand and deliver. I think even when there wasn't pressure there, he was rushing throws out because he didn't have any trust in his offensive line last year. Yeah, so, I mean, they got they got to make those moves. He's got to have that trust in his line. He's got to be able to really open the playbook up. Like I said, we have Dallas right behind us. They're, uh, right, I mean, ahead of us based off record last year. They're young. They, they're still going to take some time. But then you look over in Washington, and they're, they're not necessarily set with giving this franchise extension or paying the uh, top tag over to Kirk Cousins a second year in a row. Oh, you had to throw that in there, man. I, I Man. Did you hear this uh, rumor going around that they're thinking about Colt McCoy? Let Colt McCoy be their quarterback and let Kirk right. Cousins go. I say go for it, man. Oh, yeah, and that's fine by hey, me. Let's go and see Colt McCoy twice a year. If, if, if Kirk Cousins ends up in, like, Cleveland or, or, or San Fran, wherever he might go, good luck. Just don't be in my division twice a year. I don't got to hear you. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Free agency officially opens this Wednesday. We'll be back in studio. Jordan will be back from Gamers Developers Conference over in Cali. We're going to have some great tech reviews, see what's going on. We got the Nintendo Switch review coming up. And then we have another great NBA showcase this Saturday. We're going to wrap it for episode four. I'm Joey. I'm Brandon. Remember to follow me on Twitter at Brandon underscore Estrict, E-S-T-R-I-C-T. Also, shout out to Color Commentary. You can also check out my podcast, the No Offseason Podcast on SoundCloud on iTunes, and on Podbean.
You can follow the podcast at no underscore off season and why. Um, color commentary, bro. It was real. Thanks for having me. Episode four. It's a wrap. Peace. My life.